Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to Limping for Jesus. This is episode two of our Bible boot camp series. This is when we unpack a book of the Bible for you to give you the ins and out of a book. This is for, and we're calling this basic training for believers, seekers, and skeptics. So all are, all are welcomed here. If you don't know what the Bible believes, if you don't know, I mean, if you don't know what the books of the Bible, that's okay. Um, we're here to help you out. Um, this is, these episodes are sur- survey studies of the books. It's not an in-depth, verse-by-verse um, teaching of the book. So this, we're trying to give you the nuts and bolts. This book is four chapters. If you read it on your own, you should be able to read it in fifteen to twenty minutes. So, so yeah, and I'm if you a- don't, if you don't know it or don't, don't, don't get scared because I didn't either, and I, I read it, and I made a lot of markings. Yeah, good. Um, you see that? Good. Uh, that, markings, that, that, highlights, all that because things just as you read it, 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 it just like things click for you, make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Some chapters um, or books are super confusing. So um, I am Bible illiterate. So this is him teaching me also as we read during the week together. And then we come together to talk about what we read and then maybe some questions. So um, if you guys, as you read, have questions, um, please feel free to share. Also share with us what you thought. Uh, We're very curious to see how it talked to your heart and what your thoughts were. Yeah. And and if you're on YouTube tonight or Facebook, you can write your comments on and we can respond live. Um, I I like my wife's highlighter uh, marks in the Bible. That's hot. Um, So the fact that she's actually studying your Bible, uh, this idea that you can't highlight your Bible or mark it up, um, is uh, ridiculous to me. So, because when I study my Bible, I want to write down any insight that the Lord gives me about Himself, so I can recall it. So, all right, what is this book about? First of all, here's here's the main the main point in this book: joy. Um, and I have the quote a quote here from Gordon Fee. It says, joy is how believers who know Christ and whose futures are guaranteed by Christ respond in the context of present difficulties. Christ is the gospel. Christ is our life. Christ is our future. Christ is our joy. That is the whole point of the book. And I I want to remind people that the backdrop of this book is the Apostle Paul. He, he is writing from prison. Um, uh, am I back? Mm. Am I back? Okay. Hopefully I don't cuss again on air. Um, <laughs> we okay. have an internet issue. Like every so often it just goes out for like 15 seconds. So 
Um, but he's actually in his office. I'm in the living room, so we can actually hear each other through the wall. And so I'll say, lost audio. <laughs> so bear with us as we uh, try to figure out our internet situation and why it does that. I'm- yeah, we need a producer. I'm acting as pastor <laughs> and producer here. So, okay. So the whole book, and this is what Christians need to get. If you want to have any growth in your life, you have to understand that it's, that the Christian walk is going to be hard, um, but it's about joy. Joy in what? Joy in Christ. So if, if you guys miss that statement, this sums up the book perfect. Joy and is how, I have a question. Okay, hold on. Go okay, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> okay, let me read this quote. Joy is how believers who know Christ and whose futures are guaranteed by Christ respond in the context of present difficulties. Christ is the gospel. Christ is our life. Christ is our future. Christ is our joy. So when you get that bad report from the doctor saying that you have cancer, or when God doesn't heal your cerebral palsy, or that spouse leaves you, or you get fired. How does the Christian respond? And that is the practical implications of this letter in 2022. Okay. Okay, go ahead. For those of us who aren't as churchy as some, um, explain Christ is the gospel. Christ is the gospel. Okay. You come to God for God. What I mean is Christ is the gospel is that um, many preachers and evangelists um, teach something called fire insurance salvation. What that means is they scare you and they don't they don't want you to go to hell. So they go to you and they say, hey, do you want to go to hell? Uh, no one in the right damn mind has ever said, yeah, I think I do. Um, uh, so they say this thing called a sinner's prayer. And people repeat this prayer, and then they look at you and say, okay, you're saved. Um, so when I say Christ is the gospel, hear what I mean. Jesus is not the merity to take it out of hell and in, into heaven. Jesus is the reason... We want to go. What that means is whether you're rich or poor, black or white, gay or straight, handicapped or not handicapped, you come to Christ for Christ. You get him. We get God. I want to go to heaven because Jesus is there. If you can say, if you can get the benefits of heaven, Let's say you don't have to trust in Christ. You can go to heaven and and you don't die anymore. There's no more pain, no more suffering. But Jesus is not there. And you can say you're okay with that. Then you're not a Christian. The Christian wants to go to heaven because Jesus is there. If you don't know Jesus now, heaven's going to be pretty boring for you because <laughs> it's all about him. 
I think that's a good segue into the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because here's the deal. I, 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 want, I want to give people the background when we go into this. The guy writing this book, okay, up to this point in his life, he's chained to a Roman guard. He's under house arrest. And he ha- he has a, a lifelong form of a physical ailment. So he's in constant pain as he writes. He uh, Galatians uh, 4 verses 13 and 15 kind of tells us that he had a vision problem. But other than the vision problem, you got rem- to remember this man was shipwrecked twice. He was imprisoned multiple times. When he started the church in Philippi, he was imprisoned. That's how it got started. So, so this guy is is the one who um, he's not Joel Osteen writing from his mansion about <laughs> joy. Okay, it's easy. It's he's easy. in prison, right? Yeah, it's easy to write about joy. And he's writing to a church, thanking them. The yeah. church that's in Philippi, which I yeah. called so, Philippi, but you were correct me. That goes into your initial thoughts. Um, how did reading this letter impact your faith, Sarah, or your? So I think um, going into it, you know, and I have an NLT Bible. Um, it's called uh, One Step Closer. It's actually Canon Camera Bray's book, Candace Cameron. I totally butchered her name. Um, yeah, I call it the DJ Tanner Bible. <laughs> my mom got it to me for me so it's super special which you know she uh, a bible was the last thing i thought she'd give me so i read a little bit about who the author was and why um he was writing it so paul is writing to the church in philippi which i said it was philippi and mike corrected me um i just try to sound it out so if you thought it was Philip P2, you're in good company. So um, key verses and just like really unpacking. There's a lot in this book, actually, that I got a lot out of. So I'll start with um, my initial thought was just his tone. His tone is very loving and it's very um, just appreciative and grateful for those people. So you can really feel his love as he's writing this. It's the tone's really, really loving. Um, so that was my first thought. And the one thing that really stuck out for me and as people like watch our stuff and know my testimony and having to been through so many churches and, um, I was just like, why are there so many pastors of these churches? Some of the ones that I would walk in and then walk out of or go for one sermon and then not go back. Um, I could just tell like there's there's a lot of narcissism in, um, at the pulpit and in the church, um, unhealthy ones, maybe some healthy ones too, uh, if they can get by with it, but there's a lot of that. And I, I, for the longest time was like, God, why would you let people who like just do this for their own selfish need of, they want to feel like people see them close to God. And it's just, it's kind of disgusting. Right. And you just feel you just feel not right about it. And I read when I was reading, this really stuck out to me. 
And it says, it's uh, Philippians 1, verse 15 through 19. And it says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, which they're jealous and, and um, rivaling Paul. Um, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. But others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful for me. But that doesn't matter. And I circled the word doesn't matter. I don't know if you can see that, but um, I circled it. Doesn't matter. That was key for me. Uh, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is bre being preached either way. I also circled either way. Yeah. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Yeah. So that was really freeing um, to, to say, okay, you know what? It's true. And whether they're preaching on their own ambition or their selfish desire to be sought as, you know, oh, I'm powerful. I've got authority. Uh, people see me close to God, whatever. That doesn't matter because they're preaching Christ and that's all that we need to yeah. look at. Um, yeah, if, if, if you're preaching the gospel, um, uh, then we can rejoice. Mm -hmm. um, God, God knows there's motives. Now, uh, it's my pastor duty here to say, if they're preaching a false gospel, like the prosperity gospel, yeah. then we are called to stand up to this. Mm -hmm. Or if they are just wicked leaders, uh, the Bible calls them wolves. So in the local body of a church, God God is expecting you to know your Bibles well so you can check people. But what Yeah, we so it's not about their motives necessarily is like, so yes, you're right. So if they're not preaching the gospel and they're preaching falsely, then that's one thing. But if they are preaching truth, mm -hmm. uh, but th their motives and why they're doing it doesn't necessarily yeah. matter. Like I, in my whole ministry has been uh, a testament to that because I have had many pastors try to actively try keeping me out of pulpits. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know. Maybe this is why I relate to Paul so much because my physical ailment of CP and people trying to say I'm not a good pastor or whatever. So, the, you know, I, I told uh, Sarah when we were working on this episode last week that I know pastors in Washington that personally don't like me, but they preach the gospel and I rejoice because I, I saw their church growing and people were getting saved. And and as I got healing, as I grew to be secure in my faith and my identity, that I, I let them be them. And, I'm, and I just move on to where God wants me to be. Um, yep. So. And that's what we have to do with our whole lives. I mean, you just have to let rejection uh, be a guide as that wasn't the door for you. So the other thing that I really saw in here was you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So that's where I like really circled that and highlighted that whole area. And it talks about that attitude. Um, so, I mean, I got a lot out of this book. Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, don't try to be impressed. Just be humble. 
um, open mindset, forget the past, don't worry, pray, have peace. There's so much of this book um, mm. that's about having joy. And it talks about having that joy in extremely difficult circumstances. Yeah. I mean, the this letter, first time I was a pastor, I, I did a, a, a four-week sermon series on this book for a reason. Because um, as a church and as a pastor, if, you, if you're bold for Jesus and you speak the truth in love, you're going to come up against opposition. You're going to have hard times in your life. Um, I wrote a devotion today about Corey Timboom and uh, her family standing the, against the Nazis uh, rounding up Jewish people and not only that, but disabled people. And that in the midst of crazy circumstances, this woman was able to trust God. Um, when people say, where was God in the Holocaust? And they, and they try using the Holocaust as a trump card to, to say God's not real. Um, he was there. He was there in his people. And great moments of light reflected in crazy times of darkness. Corey Tinboom is an example of that. Um, if I lived in 1940s Germany, I would have been killed. But a Christian in the church, I want you to listen to this church, saints and, and atheists and skeptics, a church of believers, the Dutch Reformed Church, stood up to the Nazis. And many in their congregation were put to death. Many watched their fathers and mothers die. And then they would say, we rejoice in the Lord. See? And that passage of, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's what that verse means. Yep. That's what that verse means. The verse means that you can't say it in slam dunk, being 5'4 and 400 pounds. Um. <laughs> The, the verse doesn't mean that if you never did medical school, you can go in and operate on someone. Uh, that verse means whether you face good times or bad times, you can face it with joy, knowing that Christ is with you and that there's that there's a purpose. And that's Philippians 4.13. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to get into that because the couple of the famous verses we're going to showcase here. Verse 13 is, I would say there's three verses in the whole Bible that everyone knows. John 3, 16, Jeremiah 29, 11, and Philippians 4, 13. When Tim Tebow was in college at the, floor, at the University of Florida, he used to get in trouble all the time because on his eye paint, um, he would have Philippians 4.13, Jeremiah 29.11. Um, and it's cool that athletes with that platform use it to further faith. But Philippians 4.13, for example, is not about being able to get that promotion or that job or that girlfriend on christianmingle.com. It's not that. 
It means that despite the circumstances, despite that prognosis, despite that handicap, you can face it for Jesus. The reason why we suffer in life is for the glory of God. I know that's not a popular message, but it's true. Uh, and and the good thing is, um, the suffering that we face in this life don't compare to the glory that awaits us. For case in point, the average human lifespan is what eighty, ninety years. Sixty to seventy, it's getting yeah. lower. Yeah. Well, hopefully, God has me go when I'm still pretty, so people <laughs> people feel bad at the funeral. Like he was such a, he made the apologies sexy. So you have to live until you're at least eighty five. So, yeah. so okay. So in light in light of heaven, okay, in view of heaven, I'm going to live longer without CP on the other side of heaven than when I had it. When we're in heaven, it's going to be like, oh man, I did have CP, right? Because in the in the light of heaven, in the light of heaven, walking with CP, then being with CP for eighty years is nothing. Okay, so people face hard things in this life, really hard things. Uh, our 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 past, our home. Our, the church that we consider our home church, um, that pastor and his wife had to bury two sons. Um, that is crazy to me. That that man can get up every Sunday and preach Christ to people. And he does it with joy. Because I've been around long enough to see pastors lose children and they get bitter. And her preaching is angry. And and Jesus has to be real, guys. For for Christians like Corey Tinbrun and our pastor to be able to get up like like Corey lost her sister and her brother and, and I think her dad died in, in the concentration camp too. To be able to get up on a Sunday morning and tell people Jesus is good. And Jesus is Lord. With it's just amazing to me. He he has to be real. Uh, critics of our faith said that we use Jesus as a crutch. Um, okay, I heard that one a lot. A okay. lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because um, if he's not real, then. All this crap that we go through is pointless. We should eat, drink, or be married. Um, why am I getting up on Sunday morning if he's not real? Give me some meth and cocaine, <laughs> and I can sleep in. I can find something else better. because I think that for a lot of people that say that, they haven't been through. They, they either have been through some stuff and just... Um, self-medicate or find something else that you know I don't know because I have faith so I, I don't know how people without faith do it honestly and I feel bad for them I talk to a lot of people that don't have faith and they have a really hard time seeing through things the things that I have experienced in my life have been soul crushing things 
Um, I've seen a lot of illness. I've seen a lot of death. I've seen a lot of rejection. I've seen a lot of just unfair things, abuse, neglect. And I've also had, and that's just in, in personal life. And then I work mm -hmm. in healthcare. So I've seen a lot. And the, when you see not only how Christ sustained you, but you see how Christ sustains others. And I think that, um, like when you just talk to God and you have a relationship with God and you're just going through things and you just, I learned not to pray for strength anymore. So I'm like, don't give me anything more. I'm strong enough. I learned to pray for help, help, yeah. protection, and guidance. Um, that's what I pray for. And you know what? It, 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 it just works out. Um, being able to look back and see things in, in clarity and to see how he was there for us. Um, when you're going through uh, a sick loved one, when you're sick yourself, when you're just going through different things and you just try to stay in the moment and little miracles, someone bringing you a meal. We do these meal trains for people, right? Someone bringing you a meal when you're, when you're busy and, and swamped with things or um, someone just giving you a hug at church. Um, someone just coming over and doing some laundry and sweeping your floor for you. Um, anything, a, a smile, a stranger smiling at you. There's little tiny miracles that just add up and those little things sustain us. And for all of those different things in the different moments and in the different days, when you're going through something for a period of even years, and I've been there, um, it's, it's quite astonishing to look back and be like, wow, I was sustained. I was carried through that. So for someone to like deny, to deny that, to deny, you know, that there's something there and that God, that God doesn't exist is crazy to me, but that's my own personal preference in my own heart. Um, and everyone's entitled to their own. So. Well, um, I mean, would you suggest this book for those who you ask, where's God in times of suffering? Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say uh, there's a couple of other books. I think, I mean, there's a lot of books, but there's a couple of other verses that I really like sought after, which I'll talk about when we get to those books. But yeah. in um, in this book particular, four, six, or seven is basically, you know, and I, I, I highlight and circle. So mm -hmm. I encourage people as you're reading, circle the words that really stand out for you. Um, that was taught to me in my uh, church in California, but if you circle, so I circle, don't worry, pray, have peace Four, six through seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I remember the night my dad had a heart attack and we went, we were in the hospital and, um, my mom and my sister had already left and, uh, I was saying, I'm not going anywhere. You're, 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 you're going to let me go back there. I want to make sure that he's safe. I want to talk to his nurse. I want them to know who I am. Cause I'm going to be calling every two hours to check on him and get report. Um, and they walked me to the waiting room for the CCU and I sat in there. It was like nine 45 at night and everyone had gone. The visitors were done and I was just sitting there. I was crying. Um, I was praying and the um, song, the blessing came on in my head. Um, 
the Lord keep you, the Lord, I can't think of the name, but just the Lord keep you. Um, and I just felt this peace. I, my dad was, was I literally, I just told that he's sicker than he looks. Uh, his heart attack that he was having for two days sent him into congestive heart failure. Um, he's a very high risk for a stroke because they had to clean out a clot in his heart. So they're afraid that lots of pieces of, of, of clot went and he's really high risk for stroke. Um, we, we'll see if he lives through the night. Those things are what was being told to me that day. And he did have two strokes from that, by the way. And the peace, the peace that came over me was something that I've, I mean, I've experienced it like that before, but this is a very similar moment where my, I was told my first husband, when he first got diagnosed with um, kidney failure and he was in organ failure and we were being told that he wasn't getting better and he was getting to transplant or hospice and um, it was a bad thing. I didn't have peace then. I was inconsolable. I went to church and was crying and the pastor was working with me um, and trying to get me to have the peace of Christ. And it took months. I did not have that mm. peace. So, but I'm further in my faith now and I have more of a stronger relationship and I feel more rooted, no pun intended because the rooted is a phenomenal program, but I feel more rooted in Christ in the fact that I was able to sit in that CCU waiting room, waiting for them to get him settled and to just have that peace come over me. Like my prayer switched from God, please save my dad to God, if you're taking him in this moment, please give him peace, mm. give him comfort. Don't let him suffer. Um, and, you know, be with me. And I just felt like God was holding me. So to have the true peace of Christ is something that I just don't understand or know how people do without. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think um, to your point that we're, we're created to worship and we are created to seek out a savior. So if we don't seek out Jesus as our savior, we we look for functional saviors. Um, this life, if God's not real, I understand why drugs and alcohol and sex are appealing because, yeah, I mean, anything that can take your um, attention away from reality, um, it life sucks sometimes but what we are saying as christians is yes life sucks but god is always good in the book of philippians stands in the gap and say hey we're not victims of our circumstances that when you're a christian what happens to you advances the gospel in you and in others Paul says in chapter 1 that because of his imprisonment was for Christ, that the brothers among him were made bold. Um, like when we endure for Christ, when we have joy for Christ, that, that encourages joy in other people. Uh, verse 1-6 is one of the famous verses. It's one of my favorite verses as a pastor. When I counsel people, because people come to me often broken, uh, broken marriages, broken in addiction, uh, all kind of, and, and this verse is not only is it about you can't lose your salvation in Christ, but it, it goes to the heart of the Father. Verse 1 6 says, And I am certain that God, 
who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So in Christian counseling and pastoral counseling and therapy, um, we, we know that um, we're not perfect. We're not complete yet. And this verse gives me so much joy that um, even though I am not who I am yet wanting to be, I'm not who I was. And I am not who I was because of Jesus working in me. And he continues to work on me. And when I'm 50 years old, when I'm 60 years old, God, don't let me to be 80, please. Okay, so the older I get, I'm going to become more like Christ on this earth. That's a guarantee. That is a verse. He's going to work maturing in us. Um, uh, the For me, the heart of the book as we, as Sarah had me explain Christ, what it means that Christ is the gospel, for me, verse 21 is my one of my life verses. For Timmy, and this is the NLT, I don't like how they add words here, but for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Uh, a better way of saying that is for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, what that means is, for me to live is Christ is all my life is about Jesus. The way I do marriage, the way I do work, the way I parent, it's all about Jesus. And to die is gain is, when I die to self in this life, I get more Christ. I get more of his character. I get more of his peace, more of his presence. And then when I actually die, I get Jesus. <laughs> so... That's how we can, that's how we can, Sarah and I have talked a lot about the fear of death. Um, yeah, I battle with anxiety with that a lot. I have um, just being the, you know, feeling like for five years uh, with my first spouse, I was literally on a daily basis. I felt like I was literally wrestling, wrestling Satan for my husband's life. Um, and even my own health tanked because I was taking care of him and not myself. And, um, so then well, I started getting that, health problems but, and it became real. But talk about not only that, but you, you had some heart issues, but talk about like, um, death of a dream. Like you, you had, you, you had to get a procedure where it, it wiped out any chances of having natural born children. So, yeah. So the so. death of the death of, um, you know, actual death, then also the death of a dream and also the death of self. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, too. So going through a transition from being kind of a people pleaser and, um, you know, fearing rejection, fearing being alone, fearing a lot of those types of things. And that comes from really not understanding who you are, not understanding who you are to God and in God. And um it in order to change and when god changes your heart or when you try to improve yourself in any way shape or form in order to make those choices and in order to walk through that journey parts of you have to die um and it's painful so with yeah, dream, I, mean, can you talk, I had a hysterectomy and lost my ability yeah. to ever have a child i always thought i would be a parent um and that was a hard journey um so 
I surrendered it to God and I said, okay, God, if you, if you want me to be a parent or to be an influence to kids or whatever you have for me, then you know what you're doing. I don't. And I know that one day I'm going to be very thankful that you did it your way and not mine. So, you know, it's just, uh, we have an idea of what our life is going to be like, and then things happen and it, we get into that WTF moment where it's like, okay, what the heck was that? Um, didn't see that coming. And then you find out later in life that, you know, like, I think that we're obviously I'm a stepmom now. Um, and I love Reese with all my heart. He is a very good kid. And that's, you know, we're facing tween stuff together. So it's fun, but it's hard. And, you know, I also have had in the last couple of years more on my heart to help teens and maybe adopt older kids that I can imagine being 12 or 14 or 15 and living in a foster care or in a group home somewhere and just being a number or feeling like I'm not important and not part of a family. I mean, I had a dysfunctional family, but I, we still were a family unit. So I can't, I could go to my mom or dad and had a bad dream. Can't imagine being a kid and going through teenage stuff without that. So, you know, God's doing something. Um, mm. And also to that point too, I want to talk about, um, Philippians 2, it's 2, yeah. Philippians 2, 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You know, we live in a culture that talks about all the time is, you know, uh, do what makes you happy. And Christians, I've talked to a few of our followers about this too, because I was blatantly attacked for saying something uh, once about doing that. Yeah, it's okay to do what makes you happy. And they're like, no, no, you have to be pleasing God. Da, 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 da. And so I really like this. And I even wrote on here, <laughs> I don't know if you can see this, a uh, talking point. Um, because it says, and I'll read it again, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He's putting it in you. He's giving you a dream. He's giving you a vision. He's giving you goals and things that are going to please him. So, if you're in Christ and you have that relationship with him and you felt guided and you pray about it and you know that it's from the Lord, then you're going to, your desires are going to become his desires. I know that's a dangerous point and Mike can take the pastoral view on that. Um, and people can play with that to be like, well, I desire it. So it must be from God. No, no, no. no I, a good thing, a good thing do doesn't always mean that it's a God thing. Right. Um, like, God, I just, the fact that you said that, like, I just listened to a Charles Stanley sermon the other day, and he said that. He goes, God's going to lead you to his best for you. Mm -hmm. And and the, the test comes between not a bad thing and a good thing, but a good thing and the best thing. Right. And I've had to learn that as a pastor. There's been a couple times in my ministry where I took a church job because it was a church job. But it was clear that God did not want me in that position where I even prayed about. I mean, um, so. We talked about that a lot. I mean, that's a really good point. And I also am part of a couple of pastor wives groups. And uh, there's a theme of exhaustion. And one thing mm -hmm. about that, these wives and some of the older school um, 
Like they've been in ministry for either their whole life or 30 plus years. Oh, but just remember you're serving the Lord. The Lord doesn't want you working 100 hours a week, um, getting up at 5 a.m., doing all the things you have to do for your house, getting there, uh, doing nursery, then singing, uh, then in, then uh, watching your kids behind the, the, the thing while your husband finishes in the office because you share one vehicle and drive 50 miles every Sunday. And then you have to do something else. And then, and then you're called to do an event that evening. And oh, by the way, someone had a hospital visit at 10 PM and then your kid's sick and your husband's out. And before you know it, you had a 21 hour day. So like, and, and for senior pastors and, and some of these smaller churches where the pastor wears a lot of hats and his wife's his helper, there's just a theme of exhaustion and it's like, well, you're serving the Lord. The Lord doesn't want you to fall over and die of burnout. No, um, so no, it's no, going to give you no. the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Yes, you'll have power to do what he wants you to do, but you'll also have the desire. So if you're not feeling called to do something, you shouldn't be guilted into it. Just, yeah, the, just the, the last church that I was at, the senior pastor and I had a talk about an upcoming event in he asked me if Sarah would work in the nursery, and I told him no. And he was taken back because here's the deal. Here's the sad truth. And churches need to get over this. They think they hire a pastor and then get the wife as a free employee. Um, Sarah's an introvert. Um, <laughs> and I told my pastor at the time that no, she'll never do that. And people are taken back that you, because here's the deal. The need is not the call. Okay. Yeah. I definitely, I love kids, but I'm not called to teach them. And I'm not called to, to work in, in childcare. Yeah, I, but the point, the point I'm making is that's not the me. verse that you read was God's going to need you to what he wants you to do in the kingdom. Um, yeah. and, it, and if you're, if you're, um, if you do anything, because here's the thing, um, good things for God um, can become God things. What I, what I mean is uh, serving to serve and being an elder and being a pastor or being a Sunday school teacher, they can, be, they can become idols in our lives. And we miss what God really wants us to do. Um, mm -hmm. It took me 10 years of God shaping and molding me to get my first senior pastorate. Um, and um, I was 34 when I first became a pastor. And I looked, the senior pastor. Yeah, a senior pastor. And I, I beat myself. I used to beat myself up because I felt like I was late in the game. But I got to tell you, if I would have got a pastorate, in my 20s, I would have burned out because I wasn't ready. So God worked that in me, that maturity in me to get me ready. And um, so, yeah. Man, my uh, my phone's, my, my nymping for Jesus notifications are blowing up. Okay. All right. <laughs> yes, they are. So we're Here's at the point. point. Yeah, yeah one more point. One more point. Okay, go like, ahead. Babe. So at the very end of this, and this might tie into like, uh, oh, maybe not, but um, I also said on here, um, Paul's final greeting says, "May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit." 
Um, and so it like being content, no matter what the situation is, you know, if we're going through financial hardships, being content with what we have, um, being humble and looking for opportunity and trusting God as what he's going to do for you in that situation. Well, that's hard. I mean, that's one thing like, like, you know, you like, I, I am wired to be a provider and the order I get with CP, I'm having more physical limitations and, and, you know, uh, last week, um, we had to make the hard decision for me to resign from a pastorate, um, because, um, me and the senior pastor couldn't get on the same page and it was not, it would not be good for the people of that church or my own heart for constantly battling the senior pastor for the vision and direction of what I was called to do there. So, so we made the hard decision and it was hard for me because I loved the people of that church. Oh my gosh. They were amazing. I, yeah. I loved the people of the church. It was but, a really hard choice, but, but joy matters. And, and being was, content in a situation in there when something is making you so, um, not content. I was miserable. I was miserable. I, I, I try to put up a, a, a good, a good face because I always do. And I, and I, as a Christian with CP, I, I know that other people are looking at me to, for encouragement. God has asked me to drink from the cup of suffering a lot. And each time I do, I come back with a new lesson for people. But yeah, so I think but that what, how is the letter speaking to us in this season of life? Like you really need to like, um, the don't worry, pray and have peace. Getting yourself back to, uh, if you cannot get to peace, you need to make choices and make decisions in your life that are going to get you back to peace. And we have to trust God to really guide us. And in through the prayerful experience of even having to like walk away from a church, which Mike was like, that's not an easy thing for Mike to do. Like he is someone that is super, super committed. And, you know, just saying like, hey, from the outside looking in and like everything that we're facing here, like we we have a lot to take into consideration. Don't want, you know, to hurt the people. We don't want anyone to like really know, um, you know, what's going on. It's not really their like, you know, we don't want them to be bad. But we had to make the decision for our peace and for our joy. Um, and unfortunately that meant walking away, but it also meant like, Hey, we really feel like God is calling us to do more for limping for Jesus. We have so many content ideas. We have so many outreach ideas and there's just so many people that we talk to, um, the messages that we get, the comments that we get, like people that aren't going to church, people that are having a hard time finding churches, people that have church hurt, people who are confused about reading the Bible, people who know they have faith, they just don't really understand why, or they are too, they feel too screwed up. Um, and I'm like, hey, um, no one's offed up as much as I am. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we're all, we're all in that same boat. And so, but it does take some very, very hard decisions and some, a lot of prayer and a lot of even counsel, um, you know, 
talking to other pastors, talking to other Christians who, you know, you want to check your accountability to that. Um, but you got to get yourself back to peace and you have to be able to have joy in your everyday life. If something is making you super miserable, you know, I'm a business person and you look at opportunity costs, it, you have to be like, okay, what am I doing for the kingdom? What am I doing for me? How am I taking care of myself so that God can work through me? And if something is getting in the way of me taking care of myself and my home, my family, so that God can use me the way that he wants to, I need to walk away from that. So we yeah. can't be distracted. Well, I, you know, the, the good thing is, I think it was crazy that last week, days up before I resigned, God had us start reading Philippians. Yeah, right? we were, and, it was, and, yep. And my and I look back on it, it's kind of ironic now. You remember the last Bible study I taught for the church? And I made that jerk about big church. And I said, I said, um, uh, I made a joke about big church. And I said, no, I take that back in case you guys want to hire me in the future. So <laughs> I didn't know that 24 hours later, I would be in a decision where I had to choose between um, Jesus and the job. And here's the here's the you'll never here, lose when you choose Jesus. You'll never lose. Yeah, well here's here's what people I want people to uh think I mean if any of the our former church members are watching in the book of Acts the, and we're gonna cover this book one day. Paul and um Paul and Barnabas starts out as his power team. But they get to a point where they can't see eye to eye. And they make the decision to go their separate ways. God continues to use Barnabas. Clearly, God continued to use Paul. Um, I, I pray that church has nothing but good days ahead of them. But for my wife and my marriage and my family and my walk, I had to... Look at, like I said, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It became clear after talking to the elders and the senior pastor, there was no longer a way forward to work together. Um, and God freed us. Um, yeah, and I think that it was interesting, too, because we were reading the book of Philippians and going to the back of it, Philippians 4.18 um, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from something I can't read. Epaphroditus. <laughs> Epaphroditus. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. And then my book, my Bible has these like little things. Um, I don't know if you can see that. If it's the the DJ Tanner Bible makes an, another appearance. <laughs> so it they have this these little blurbs like in each uh, book that kind of give you like a little thing and talks about the verse. So this is about money. 
Um, and it brings up Philippians 4, 11 through 13. It says, are you nagged by unhappiness? If only I had a better job or more money or a better something, then I would be happy. If you think happiness comes from more money and material possessions, take a closer look at the happy and unhappy people you know. You'll find that some of the happiest people are not well off at all. And some of the most miserable people really have all the money they need for necessities and comforts in life. What is the key to happiness, to, to contentment? Paul says it all. He had learned to be content regardless of his material well-being because his ability to cope with life came from Christ, who gave him strength and power. Your wealth in life will not bring contentment, but your source of life will empower you to be content, whatever the situation. Mm. And that we read that literally the day of our really hard decision. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, my ministry, since I've been in ministry, I'm 41 now. So I, I started preaching regularly uh, when I was 24 years old. And I started out in youth ministry, and I was doing pulpit supply for many years. For you non-religious people, pulpit supply means... Um, He's basically main, a substitute teacher for pastors. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I was the backup quarterback of pastors for for 10 years because i was like oh pastor you got a cold you better go get that checked out um so because but anyways i also like i'll just say real quick philippians 3 which is the priceless value of knowing christ i never get tired of telling you these things and i do it for safeguard for your faith Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For he, for, or for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, but no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could, indeed if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. So then I also like this other like little blurb thingamabob. Uh, these blue things, blue boxes. This is about the will of God. Philippians three fifteen through sixteen. Why don't why don't why won't God show me His will? God will not reveal new truth if we are not acting on the truth we already have. Mm, How are amen. you doing with, for example, the Ten Commandments, Exodus twenty one through seventeen, the biblical prohibition of gossip, Proverbs twenty six twenty two, Second Corinthians twelve twenty, and God's command to care for the poor, James one twenty seven. Here, God's will is very clear. If we treat it as something we can take or leave, is it any wonder that God will not further reveal his will? If you are seeking God's will in a particular matter, first examine your life to see if there is any command or call of God that you are not following. When you have taken care of this, you may be surprised at how quickly God clarifies other issues. And boy, is that true. Mm -hmm. Amen. Okay, so we're getting close to the end of the episode. Um before we get in final thoughts, let's look at practical practical implications of this book in 2022. Okay. Working together to grow our joy in the joy of, of others in Jesus Christ, that applies to Christians today. Uh, seeing and savoring Jesus above all, no matter what your uh, circumcises, cir circumcise. You got, you got me on the wiener chopping verse. Um, okay. So, um, seeing and saving Jesus, no matter what you're going through, no matter what circumstances, make it your goal to love Jesus more. Uh, no complaining. This is a big one. 
like Sarah said earlier, if I just had that job or that better girlfriend or better spouse or better boyfriend, I would be happy. If I had that bigger he doesn't say that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, okay. Okay, whatever. Okay. So no complaining. Uh not letting external circumstances dictate our trust in God. There are people who when life gets hard, they're done with God. Mm-hmm. Um so don't do that. This whole book is about we're not victims of our circumstance. Getting rid of all things that get in the way of treasuring Jesus. Some people need to repent of sin. Some people need to repent of religion. Um, there's a lot of unhappy Christians in the church today. Um, uh, we are not victims of our circumstances. They happen to advance the gospel. And last mm-hmm. warning to face prosperity or need with contentment in Christ. All right. We have about three minutes. Final thoughts. My final thoughts are going to be Philippians 1, 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Guys, I keep looking up because there's a bee in my room. Okay. So, I'm not looking for a rapture. Um... Uh, uh, my life is about Jesus. My pain is about Jesus. My thorn of cerebral palsy is about Jesus. I want to limp well for Jesus. So that's my final thoughts. So, Sarah, what's your final thoughts? Um, this also talks about forgetting the past. Um, forgetting the so that's uh. 313 through 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So like the, our pasts are really our pathway to hell. Um, you know, focusing on that. I mean, it's good to learn, but um, just knowing that God can change our hearts and uh, the relationship with Jesus Christ uh, is it's, it's life altering and life changing. And people that have known you your whole life will all of a sudden be like, wow, like you changed a lot. And it's, it's, it's powerful. The, I mean, it's literally in one split second, there can be change of heart. There can be changes. There can be, there's miracles. There's just, it's just, it's overwhelming. Uh, the love of God is very overwhelming. But I just encourage everybody to really um, read about the attitude of Christ. Uh, uh, you know, just start first reading. Philippians was, was just super loving and uplifting. And yeah, we really I mean, needed it, that that week. It, it's the only book that Paul writes that he's not laying into people for ungodly activity. Like the other letters he writes, they're uplifting books, but he's like, hey, uh, stop being idiots. Um, <laughs> this is the one book that he's like, hey, you're doing a good job. Uh, keep growing in your joy for the Lord. Yeah, so, I would say if you're, if you're down in the dumps or um, you are just in a, in a bad spot or, or you just need some encouragement and uplifting, read Philippians. Yeah, so uh, t- 
before we sign off, some quick plugs. Um, we did a Bible study last night called uh, Holding On to Christ While Letting Go Church Heart. So if you've been through a painful experience, I encourage you to go watch that episode. Um, we are going to, every Thursday, we are going to do a Bible boot camp. Um, I, I think next week we are doing the Book of James. And on Sunday, starting this Sunday, I will be back with um, a message. Yeah, and um, we redid two this week because we had technical difficulties last week. Yeah. So we, we're kind of a week behind. We should be yeah, on. I mean, I, I will. Uh, I mean, I, I will do the plan going forward is um, Wednesdays and Thursdays are going to be when me and Sarah are together. Um, Wednesdays are for Bible study. And this is like clearly tonight was not an in-depth uh, Bible study, but it was an overview of a book because we want to help people understand the books of the Bible so you can make uh, a clear um, decision on on the Word of God. So we thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. We're on TikTok now. Limping and feel free to message us too if you yeah. about your thoughts when you read it. We love hearing the feedback. It really is really yeah. awesome to see other people's perspectives. And for the audio podcast, if you listen to us on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere that you can leave a rating, please rate us so people we can get more people and grow our audience so we can help more people trust God. Nimping uh, for Jesus exists to help people trust God in hard circumstances. Sarah, do you want to do you want to read our mission statement? Our okay. mission statement? Yeah, our limping. Oh, everyone limps in life. So limp well and limp loved. Yeah. All right, guys. On that note, have a good night. Night. God bless. Just know that God loves you.